After this, the other landmark judgment where there were certain very far-reaching observations made was in the Sabarimala case, Indian Young Lawyers Association and others versus the state of Kerala and others. Now, the Indian Young Lawyers Association, uh, that's a very interesting case. I'll tell you about the genesis of the case itself. In, uh, uh, there was a, a major controversy that there was a, uh, I'll give you a bit of a background. In Sabarimala, there is a practice of a Deva Prashna, where the, uh, all matters, I mean, whether you have to build a roof here or whether you should build these stairs this way, everything is decided by directly consulting the deity. And the deity is consulted by means of a Deva Prashnam. Deva Prashnam where uh, there is a process and the answer is that Reiti gives you an answer. So during a deity, a Deva Prashnam, there was a controversy which erupted saying that the, the deity had, uh, there was the deity's Brahmacharya or his Brahmacharya uh, state was being disturbed due to uh, women. Uh, presence of women or something like that and uh, because of that the tandri one of the the presiding tandri or the chief priest was came under fire because he was uh, there were wild allegations of corruption on the base on the part of the tandri and so on and at that time a kannada actress came up and made a statement saying that it could be because of me and the reason she gave was she was there in the temple uh, she was there had gone for darshan and there was a crowd and she was pushed and she went and fell on the idol so I, having been to Sabarimala, I can, it seems very far-fetched to me because there is a distance of about, you know, at least uh, five, six meters and it's on a raised platform with four steps, three, four steps and then there is the uh, idol is inside beyond four, five meters beyond a raised platform. However much there is a crowd, if you fall, you will fall on the stairs, you can never get inside. You can never be thrown inside and actually go and touch the deity. But anyway, this uh, after this, there was some kind of Shuddhi Karanam or something like that done because uh, a woman had visited and this appeared in NDTV, uh, I believe, as a news uh, item. And the people in the Young Lawyers Association, they saw this and saw that this was a infringement of fundamental rights of women. These are people who have, who have nothing to do with the temple. Who are even if it is open, thrown open to everybody in the world, uh, they are not going to visit the temple because they are not interested in the temple and these people file suit. So, uh, it was taken up. Uh, then there was another lady who, uh, uh, who asked to be included in the, uh, as her, uh, this thing. The primary respondent was the Indian Young Lawyers Association who eventually withdrew but then there was a secondary uh, uh, this thing, uh, implead, implead, impleader, which was a, uh, no, that the, the person was a leader of the young Indian Young Lawyer Association, but the secondary impleader, the person who impleaded was a college student from Punjab University, second year college student, BA student from Punjab University who impleaded herself. Nobody knows what she looks like, whether she really exists. This is between the years 2006 to 2018 was when this all happened and this Punjab University student was sometime in 2012 or 2013, a person is Nikita, the name we are not sure whether it is Nikita Anand, in some places it appears as Nikita Anand, in some places it appears as Nikita Azad, we are not sure who this person is, uh, I don't know what she looks like and uh, she ran a 
campaign I believe called happy to bleed or something like that and uh, a Supreme Court lawyer uh, represented her she implemented herself in the case and eventually the case the Indian young lawyers towards the end of the uh, trial the uh, this Indian Young Lawyers Association actually uh, withdrew from the case and the case was run on the on behalf of this person who had implemented whom we don't know whether she really exists or not but anyway the court did take it up and uh, the critical things and uh, the, as part of the judgment there were certain observations that the bench made the court should adopt a differential attitude to such cases touching on religious matters and really deem the practices under scanner as essential but nevertheless investigate whether such customs beliefs or usages violate fundamental rights of an individual this is a very interesting observation they say that we may not have the competence to determine whether a practice is essential to the religion or not we do not have we may not have that uh, that uh, competence we should adopt a differential attitude to whatever the respective experts are saying but we always have the freedom to examine whether it violates fundamental rights of an individual in which case this they held that this violated the fundamental right to dignity of the individual and the morality as defined because you are bound by morality subject to morality the morality is constitutional morality not public morality constitutional morality and this morality of the constitution is not what is determined by society and by public at that point in time it is something held to be pristine and inviolate in the constitution and this must adapt and overcome challenges thrown to it by society this is outside the judgment it is an observation made outside the judgment so which means that it must adapt and overcome challenges even if you don't like it what's there in the constitution with hold will hold even if every single indian is not happy about it the citizen is not happy about it what is the constitution what is morality as defined in the constitution and as interpreted by the bench will hold it is not a matter of public opinion and it should adapt and transform challenges it is a transformative document whole point is it says that this is a transformative document the document is not for reflecting what the point of view of society is it is for transforming society into a certain vision or into a certain mold which the constitution holds the basic question is whether the recognition of rights inhering in religious denominations can impact upon the fundamental values of dignity liberty and equality which animate the soul of the constitution the right of the denomination must be balanced with the individual rights of each of its members it would be impossible to conceive of the preservation of liberal constitution values while at the same time allowing group rights to defy those values by practicing exclusions and through customs which are derogatory to dignity so it says that individual rights as held in the constitution hold group rights are subservient to this individual rights essential practice is not sufficient to determine that you have the freedom to uh, to practice it it's not necessary it doesn't even have to be essential it, it, it even if it is essential practice if it violates certain structure of the basic structure the basic features of the constitution we can strike it down and we can intervene essential practice now this brings up from the essential practices doctrine we now go into the second doctrine which we want to examine which is the uh, basic structure doctrine 
So for this, we need to go back to 1973 to the Keshavananda Bharati case. In 1973, the uh, properties of the Edenir Mutt uh, were taken over by the, uh, I believe, the government of Kerala, the, one of the Devasam boards of the government of Kerala, towards one of their land redistribution programs. And the Mathadipati of the Ednir Mutt at that time was a Shankaracharya, uh, the Keshavananda Bharati Swamigal. And he filed suit saying that his right as a head of an institution and the rights of the denomination were being infringed upon because the denomination had the right to acquire properties and administered properties freely. And in this, uh, uh, this case drew on and uh, the landmark judgment, uh, there was certain, it raised certain very fundamental questions. And uh, the landmark, uh, it was, it was uh, probably the biggest bench of the Supreme Court which ever was convened was for the Keshavananda Bharati case, in which there were 11 judges. The bench was composed of 11 judges and eventually they held that there are certain parts of the constitution that is essential or the fundamental nature of the constitution, which they call the basic structure of the constitution. The government, even though there is a article 368 gives the government of the day the right to modify or to alter the constitution, amend, alter and amend the constitution, the fundamental character cannot be changed. So that is the basic structure doctrine. So if you juxtapose both of these, what eventually you come up with is that the essential practices doctrine from being any practice which is essentially religious in nature, which was a wide ranging uh, uh, you know, freedom, from that it has been whittled down to essential practices in the Ajmer Sharif case and then in the Sabarimala case it has been thrown out of the window. We don't even care whether your denomination or your, uh, uh, you know, what your duties are and what it says. If we find that is that it is in conflict with constitutional morality, we reserve the right to throw it out. We reserve the right to the judges or the bench of the Supreme Court reserves the right to intervene. And even if the government of the day legislates to protect these freedoms, these legislations can be thrown out because if it if this legislation is found to violate the basic structure of the constitution so this is the background and so this